Praise him with sounding cymbals. Praise him with loud clashing cymbals. Praise the Lord. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in his mighty firmament. Praise him with trumpet sound. Praise him with lute and heart. Praise him with sounding cymbals. Praise him with loud clashing cymbals. Let everything that breathes praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Let us worship together. We know that we are called together, brothers and sisters, that God has us in his hands, yet we know that we often do not walk as if we were brothers and sisters in Christ. Let us take a moment as we together confess before God our need to be forgiven. Please join me in reading the prayer of confession. Oh God, we thank you that you have not left us alone in our sin. Loving us, you have brought us good news and set before us the way of life. Yet we confess that we have not always seen the way or lived the way in pride and your grace. In selfishness, we have turned away from those in need around us. We have allowed ourselves to be crushed by troubles as though Christ had not been raised. Forgive our faithlessness and renew a right spirit within us and the power and hope of the resurrection. In Christ Jesus, we pray. Amen. Brothers and sisters, in Christ, we are forgiven of our sins and made and right, made, and right made, and with one another. Live in that promise. Amen. May the peace of Christ be with you. Go ahead, greet each other with the peace of Christ.
Mr. So today is Choir Sunday, and so you will have the opportunity to hear the choir favorites. Many of us get confused. We think it's our favorites, but it's actually theirs. They had to work on it. They had to sing, and it's wonderful. So we're extra blessed by that, and thank you, Choir Juan and Susie, for uh, making our time of worship every week so incredibly special. Today we are celebrating the upcoming birthday on June 17th of Betty Sims. You see the flowers. Betty, if you know her, is a great poet and kind of a prophet about the love of Jesus. She is just wonderful. We have enjoyed all these years uh, her being here. She now lives in Colorado with her family. But Betty, happy 100th birthday. Yay. So you noted all the video screens of our graduates coming into service today. We're very, very excited about all of them. Congratulations, moms, grandparents, great-grandparents. Your kids have done well, and we have something for them. So if you're a graduate after the service, go out and find Holly. She's over by the pergolas, and we have little gifts for you just to thank you for um, being a student and doing well. And congratulations, especially to those graduating and launching out into the world. We have a Boy Scout Court of Honor for two of our members who are now Eagle Scouts. That is Danielle and David Scuba. It's directly after the service in the Fellowship Center. All are invited. I encourage you, if you're able to, please come and celebrate this great accomplishment. On June 20th, we do have our Vacation Bible School starting. If you want to sponsor either a lunch for all the kiddos or if you'd like to help with prep time, or if you want to help during the week, one day, two days, five days, whatever you want to do, there's a table out there for you to sign up on to be engaged during that week. And it's really fun because it's children and they're a heck of a lot more fun than most of us. Okay, there we go, just saying, <laughs> come and join. On June 25th is our monthly um, branch barbecue. It's down at Mariner's Point by the Bay. If you need directions or anything else, we can send those to you, but we encourage you to come if you cannot come, or even if you can, will you please make some cookies or brownies? If you're not able to attend, drop them off here at the office on the Thursday before that Saturday, and we will make sure that they get down there. Just important that we continue to minister in our community. July 3rd is our summer family barbecue following a unified service, which is a fancy word saying we're all going to meet at 10 o'clock right here all together rather than have two separate services. And then after that, we're going to go out and we're going to have fun and fellowship. There's a bouncy house. I may even go on that. Uh, but we want you to come and to participate. Now, you might ask, why do we share all these things going on in the church? Well, one, we want you to be engaged, but it's also a way of saying thank you for the way in which you so generously have supported the ministry and the life of this church. Keeping that in mind, and as we continue as an act of worship, I invite you now to bring forward your tithes and offerings.
Let us join our hearts together in a time of prayer. I will lead us in a pastoral prayer and then invite you at the end of it to join me in the Lord's Prayer. Let us now pray. Gracious and almighty God, we gather this Sunday and note that we are together even as many of our brothers and sisters are worshiping with us or physically with Pastor Jack and other churches and countries throughout the world or watching worship from their homes. We gather under the name of Jesus Christ, your son, who came to redeem us, reconcile us, and renew us so that we would reflect your love and mercy to all people. We come to express our gratitude for all the graduates we celebrate this day and for their next steps, whether on to kindergarten, middle school, or high school, to college or with a degree out into the world to earn a living. May each young person and child live in all they do in school and in work to your glory. Continue to bless the parents who are raising them and launching them into adulthood. We lift prayers that they be faithful that even as they continue, that they would flourish and develop in their faith and in their work. Help us as a congregation to invest more fully in our children and youth, supporting them in their spiritual development as well as bringing support prayer and equipping our parents, grandparents, and great-grandparents as they help to raise these children. Touch and heal any who are ailing in our congregation. Strengthen those in hospital and guide the doctors. Raise up the brokenhearted and use us to minister to those who suffer from anxiety and depression. Be with those attending the grief group and give them hope that comes from you, Lord. Guide our national leaders in their work and service. May you give to them discernment and may they do what is right. We pray, Lord, for children, parents, and teachers in the schools disrupted by violence here in the U.S. and places where millions have fled for safety outside their country. Lord, be with Pastor Jack and the Outreach Foundation team as they minister to the Ukrainian refugee families sheltered in Lithuania, Poland, and Spain. Thank you for the generous hearts of this church sending support through Outreach. Oh, Lord, there's so much violence, threats, and even death to so many. Our hearts ache and we long to do more. Wherever there is violence or injustice, where the violence is ignored or rationalized, move us to action, Lord. Whether we have wrung our hands and felt useless, turn us towards you and each other as the body of Christ called to be light in darkness. Let us look together for solutions. Show us, Lord, teach us, Lord, compel us, Lord, to do, to do that which is just, righteous, and Holy Spirit led. We pray all these things in the name of the one who came to redeem us all, your son, Jesus Christ, who taught us to pray together saying, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.
Stand with me so that together we may give our full attention to the reading and especially the hearing of God's word for our lives today as we find it recorded in the second chapter of Paul's letter to the Ephesians. So then, remember that at one time you Gentiles by birth called the uncircumcision by those who are called the circumcision, a physical circumcision made in the flesh by human hands. Remember that you were at that time without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ, for he is our peace. In his flesh he has made both groups into one and has broken down the dividing wall, that is, the hostility between us. He has abolished the law with its commandments and ordinances that he might create in himself one new humanity in the place of the two, thus making peace and might reconcile both groups to God in one body through the cross, thus putting to death the hostility through it. So he came and proclaimed peace to you who were far off and peace to those who were near. For through him both of us have access in one spirit to the Father. So then, you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are citizens with the saints and also members of the household of God, built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the cornerstone. In him the whole structure is joined together and grows into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you also are built together spiritually into a dwelling place for God. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I am preaching to you today from a troublesome but not a unique context, a context of conflict, of division. You might even say a context of war and peace. Today's context is characterized by the great conflict now happening between Russia and Ukraine, hence the Ukrainian flag behind me. Conflict is nothing new, of course. As we continue our reading of the letter to the Ephesians, we encounter another conflict, a much older division, that between Jew and Gentile, and in a larger sense, that between God and us. Early in Ephesians, Paul has said that God blesses us with his grace and peace, that God has acted decisively in the life and death and resurrection of Jesus, that this act has resolved the problem of our sin, the problem of our separation from God. It has also set us all on a journey a journey of learning how to live differently, how to live as people who truly follow the pathway of life that Jesus set before us, a pathway that blesses us and also, importantly, blesses others. 
Now, as Paul thinks further about the implications of this restored relationship that we have with God, he thinks about the relationship between Jews and Gentiles. In the days of Jesus and Paul, many Jews believed that the Jews were special, that they were above all others, that they had been chosen for a special status before God, a special privilege with God, a special knowledge and relationship with God. They believed this so strongly that they actually looked down on all other peoples. This belief was reflected in the architecture of the temple. The temple was constructed in such a way that there were a series of courts moving from outer courts toward inner courts. The outermost, outermost court of the temple was the court of the Gentiles. And then there was the court of the women. And then the court of the Israelites, which was the court for the men. And then the court for the priests, and finally, the innermost court of all, the Holy of Holies, that place into which no one dared go except a specially chosen priest, and then only once a year. Now, if a Gentile was caught in any place within the temple except for in that outermost court, the court of the Gentiles, that person faced the penalty of execution. That's a very, very strong dividing line, is it not? That's a very, very intractable conflict, is it not? So much so that if someone trespassed across a line, they would be killed. Those kinds of conflicts and divisions existed not only between Jew and Gentile in the first century, not only between people of religious faith, but all across human society. Years ago, I was playing golf at a golf course overseas, and I stepped up to the first tee that was right next to the greenkeeper's shed. And I was waiting for my turn to tee off, and I noticed a plaque on the side of that shed, so I went over and read the plaque. It said this, it said, Erected in the memory of Mr. Joseph James McElwain, aged 20 years, greenkeeper on this golf course, murdered by terrorists in this building, the 12th of June, 1987. I read that plaque, and it was hard to concentrate on golf after that, but that's not the real issue. The issue was that I was in Northern Ireland, a place that for so long suffered a deadly conflict between Catholics and Protestants. But that's only one example. All of us from our own histories and all of us from the news today can, can point out conflicts and divisions, separation and even outright warfare. It's such a common theme throughout human history that it's one of the themes that Paul writes about often and, and he writes about it early on in this letter to the Ephesians. There's a story told by Frank Reed. He was an American who was held hostage during the Lebanese Civil War. Reed reported and talked about his experience as a hostage for many, many months, and it's a, it's a gripping and tragic tale, but, 
But the thing that caught my attention in his report that he talked about a conflict between him and a fellow prisoner. He said, we were, we were so at odds with each other that we did not speak to each other for several months. And here's the kicker. During those several months, the two were chained to each other side by side. There is division between people. There is division within families. There's interpersonal division. There's international division. There's conflict everywhere we look, everywhere that we try to see what's going on in human life and in human history. And so today's war in Ukraine and the conflict that that has generated in so many other parts of the world among historic enemies and sometimes even among historic friends, that conflict is nothing new. And so I would ask you, where is the conflict in your life? Are you at odds with someone over your politics or your religion? Are you squabbling in your family about a family inheritance? Are you fighting with your spouse about the proper way to squeeze the toothpaste out of the tube? It doesn't take much to create division and strife and conflict. And so what are we supposed to do about it? Well, the answer is that God has already done something. Last week, in worship, I asked you to memorize some scripture. Do you remember what that was? I hope you do. It was only two words, but God. Well, in today's passage, we encounter a very similar phrase, a, a similar statement that starts with but. Here's the problem. We are at conflict with each other. We can't seem to cross over the dividing lines, but, but. God has done something about it. But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ, for he is our peace. You see, God has established peace with us in what he did in Jesus. God erased the dividing lines between us in Jesus Christ. God crossed the line over to us and obliterated any reason or excuse for us to stay apart from each other between us and God. God also did the same in the dividing lines that exist between us and other people. Paul specifically here is speaking about the Jews and the Gentiles saying that the Gentiles now have access to God, as have all the Jews. The Gentiles are equally loved by God, equally received and welcomed and accepted into the family of God. In other letters, Paul extends that thought even further, I think perhaps as he thought about its implications even more. He said there's no longer any distinction between male and female, between slave or free. You see, there is no dividing line among us as far as God is concerned and as far as God can see, especially for Christians who are united together in a common faith and therefore are part of a common family. We are bound to each other 
whether we like it or not, frankly, whether our politics are the same, whether our skin color is the same, whether we live in the same nation or not, whether we're on the same side or different side of whatever issue you want to take, we are bound together as one family. That thought then, of course, is extended to the whole human family. Years ago, I heard a story told about two old friends, Sven and Ollie. It seems that Sven had gone out on an ocean voyage and he was lost at sea, shipwrecked. And so his dear friend Ollie searched for years and years to find him. And finally, Ollie found Sven. Sven was living all alone by himself on a tiny little deserted island. And they were so happy to see each other. Sven decided to show Ollie around the island, and, and he proudly displayed to Ollie all of his handiwork. He said, here, Ollie, here's my little grass hut where I live. I made it with my own hands. And here's, a, here's another little hut where I cook my meals. And here's another little hut where I simply hang out and relax sometime. And then here's the little hut where I go to church. Sven was so proud to tell Ollie about all of these places he had built, but then Ollie started looking around and over a little further away, he saw another little village of huts and he saw one that Sven hadn't mentioned before. And Ollie said to Sven, what's that hut over there? And Sven said, well, that's where I used to go to church. Do you get it? The trip I'm on, in Lithuania, and then Poland, and then Spain, is an expression of the unity of the Christian church. Now, let's not be looking at this with rose-colored glasses. There are those in the Russian Orthodox Church who seem to be on the side of the Russian people, the Russian president in particular, and there are efforts being made to restore the relationship among Christians and efforts being made to, to call the Russian Orthodox Church to accountability and responsibility for a very, very difficult situation. I won't go into all of the politics of that, but we Christians must admit that we don't always get along with each other, that sometimes we see certain things very, very differently from each other. But by and large, the Christian church around the world is rallying together to care for those who are most affected by this war, those who are still inside Ukraine, and especially those who have left Ukraine as refugees. That's what I'm doing in Ukraine. I'm in, not in Ukraine, I'm in, in Lithuania and Poland and Spain with Ukrainian refugees. I'm, I, I'm, I'm, I'm here to, to minister with those who are taking care of the refugees. I'm here to give a hug to those who are refugees themselves. I'm here on your behalf as your representative to learn more about how we can offer tangible help in a terrible situation. I'm here with brothers and sisters in the church and, and frankly, other brothers and sisters who may or may not claim the name of Jesus, but who still act out of human compassion and love to try to bring aid and healing and recovery in a tragic situation. 
This trip is about more than just Christians, more than just the church. It is a trip that is designed to be an example to the rest of the world. In fact, that's what the church is meant to be. That's what you and I are meant to be. We're meant to be a, a shining light set up so that everyone can see. We're meant to be a city set on a hill so that everyone can look and say, this is how it is supposed to be in the human community as people care for each other, as people renew and restore the bonds of friendship and fellowship, as they cross over those dividing lines, as they take care of the conflicts among them. This little section that we've just read from Ephesians is about Jews and Gentiles, but there's a much larger backdrop. There's a much larger idea at play here, the idea that God wants to reconcile the whole world to himself, and he wants to reconcile the whole world to itself. For God so loved the world, we are told, that God sent his only Son. This takes us to that great vision that we see expressed so beautifully in Revelation. When all of creation is restored and renewed, no more conflict, no more division, especially that part of creation that is the human community, where there are no more dividing lines among us between Jew and Gentile, my people and your people, black and white, man and woman, rich and poor, whatever it is between this nation and that nation. We look forward to that time when the whole human family lives together in peace. And we demonstrate what that's like as we reach out in love and prayer, as we care for others around the world, whom, most of whom we'll never see, most of whom we'll never know, but, but God knows them. It's our job to keep doing what God was doing in Christ to erase those lines among us. And so I'd leave you with this story. During World War II in France, a small group of soldiers brought the body of a comrade of theirs to a cemetery to be buried. The priest in charge of that cemetery told them that he had to ask if the soldier had been a baptized Roman Catholic. The soldiers had to admit that they simply did not know. And so the priest gently explained that the burial would have to be outside of the formal churchyard. And so the soldiers buried their friend just outside the fence. The next day, they came back to pay respects to their friend and to check on the grave and to make sure that all was well, but, but they couldn't find it. They were about to leave. They were upset, and, and the priest saw them, and he came up to them. And he told them that his heart had been troubled all night long. And very early that morning, he had gotten up. And with his own hands, he had moved the fence. What fences are you and I moving today? God, be with us as we seek to minister in the name of Jesus Christ, who erased all the dividing lines among us. May we be his faithful and effective disciples for the sake of the world that you love. Amen.
just want you, oh, to know they're going to turn on the mic any moment. One, two, not yet. Okay, that's upstairs. They're still waiting. Here's what I don't know, anything about any of the things that they've done. So I'm very grateful that uh, Juan came over to rescue that moment. I will tell you I have heard the sermon. I have watched the sermon. Go home, get online. He has two really great stories that he didn't, you didn't get to hear yet. So I want you to go home and be blessed by that. But here also, that there is neither Jew nor Gentile, slave nor free, male nor female. We are all one in Christ Jesus. Let us serve together, reconciling the world to the one who is our Redeemer. Amen.